0: Hello, I'm Darren Fonda, Managing Editor for Barron's. Welcome to Barron's Live, Managing Your Money. Today we have John Tadaro, Head of Crypto and Blockchain Research at Investment Bank and Equity Research Firm Needham. John joined Needham from Tradeblock, where he was Director of Institutional Research. He previously co-founded a crypto asset management firm and is a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here, John.
1: Great. Thanks for having me on, Darren. appreciate it.
0: So let's talk crypto and what's happening in the crypto markets today. Uh, Bitcoin and other tokens have rallied quite a bit since hitting lows after FTX went bankrupt last November. Uh, Bitcoin is now trading around 23,000. It seems to be on track to having its best January since 2013. Uh, But this is a market that's still quite unsettled, to say the least. Some of the biggest crypto companies, lenders and hedge funds have gone bust and are now in bankruptcy court. Uh, And the regulatory outlook for crypto remains quite murky. Um, So it's still a pretty tough market to be a crypto investor. Uh, What's your outlook for the rest of the year for the tokens, especially Bitcoin?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, It certainly has been 2022 was a a tough year for the space. Um, And what what you've actually set up now is, I think, uh, an attractive setup. So. Uh, following FTX, you had a lot of the the uh, you had a lot of forced selling in crypto markets. So, Bitcoin miners, which typically hold a lot of Bitcoin on their balance sheet, in November and December it was the highest volume months ever for their selling. So they sold a lot of Bitcoin from their balance sheet. You had a lot of VC funds that finally, after FTX collapsed, capitulated on the space and sold a lot of their crypto holdings. And then individual investors felt similarly. Some, unfortunately, were obviously caught up. Uh, and some of these exchange collapses and so they couldn't even access their funds to sell it but folks who could still access their funds that was kind of almost the last straw so to speak for a a market that had already been pretty beat up on the year Um, and so recently over the last um, really about three weeks to a month now um, you've seen a, a little bit of an easing in fed policy which has gotten some money back into crypto you also had some protocols um, around staking. So staking is going to be a big thing, midpoint this year. Some of those tokens started coming to life. They were actually really the first crypto assets that started going up. And then on the back of that Bitcoin, ETH, some of those larger cap crypto assets that everyone's very familiar with, those started to go up as well. Um, So when you clear out a lot of that forced selling, you get to a point where a lot of Uh, investors who were holding and wanted to sell, they've sold at this point. So we think that sets up an attractive outlook over the next three months or so, um, especially if we can start seeing an ease in macro markets. So if you do get a Fed policy shift, Uh, faster than expected, that's going to do well for crypto. Uh, If corporate earnings, which we're going through an earnings cycle right now, if those are better than expected, that's going to also do well for crypto. So there's some attractive um, setups here for the next few months. But I would say one of the key things to think about is I'm cautious on saying crypto's now starting its next bull cycle. And the reason I'm cautious on that is every prior crypto cycle, every prior bull cycle, there was a new use case for Bitcoin or crypto that emerged that brought on additional adoption. In 2020, I would say you almost had two use cases. You had NFTs and you also had decentralized finance, DeFi. 2017, 2018, you really had uh, ICOs, altcoins for the first time. And going back before that, you had Ethereum. And then the first cycle was really just Bitcoin. So each cycle, there was kind of a new uh, wave of Of use cases that brought adoption. And so, right now, looking at the use cases, I would say we're still kind of playing around with DeFi and NFTs. And what I would like to see is another emergent use case come about. Maybe that's metaverse gaming that we haven't really seen yet to really push crypto to the next full cycle.
0: Well, okay. So, that's uh, you packed a lot in there. So, just kind of to summarize, uh, we've had. Um, An easing or or a more positive outlook for the macro uh, climate uh, with Fed rate policy um, not being nearly as restrictive as it was in 2022, Uh, that has lifted uh, a whole variety of risk assets, um, crypto being one of them. Um, And secondarily, uh, you're arguing or saying that the fallout from uh, the FTX bankruptcy um, and all of the other um, collapsing companies that occurred in 2022, the the washout from that effectively is now over or it's receding. And so you have more demand, uh, essentially, than you do have uh, forced selling or selling for other reasons that occurred towards the end of last year. Um, but at the same time, um this is still a tough market because uh you know we we still kind of have this the elephant in the room, which is you know what is crypto really good for um other than trading um other than um trying to uh, you know make a market or trying to bet on an asset um going up essentially or going down if you're a short trader and and I think that remains very much an open question uh, for bitcoin and Many of the other, if not all of the other cryptos out there, I think they're still struggling um, to define themselves and still struggling to define what their roles will be um, in terms of economic value or utility um, beyond trading. Do, do you kind of agree with that or is, is, there, any, is there any emerging use case uh, in 2023 that we haven't seen before? And you mentioned the metaverse. Um, I, I think that's quite a ways off. But uh, do you want to talk about that or any other use cases that you see coming out this year?
1: Yeah, I would say so to get to real adoption, real use cases, we are unfortunately, I think, a few years away from that. So to get to a point where your everyday person is is interacting with a blockchain on a daily basis um, outside of, of, of making investments or or playing around with some NFTs, I think that is still a few years off, so um, there's, there's um, hype and activity that you can get involved with today that is certainly going to come about and there's going to be a lot of excitement that it happens well before uh, those daily use cases. It's it's almost similar to AI, right? Everyone's all excited about ChatGPT and some of these other platforms, but no one is really using it yet in their daily lives. But there's a lot of excitement. There's certainly a a case to be made that you should play around with these, learn them, get familiar with them, because at some point they likely will be used in our daily lives, but not necessarily today. And and crypto and blockchain is still kind of in that paradigm as well. but for 2023, the, the main use cases still today are DeFi, which really came about in 2020 for the first time. And then um, there's some NFT aspects. We had NFTs back in 2017, 2018, but I would say there's a, a few more aspects people were able to do with them this cycle. What I would like to see and what would hopefully be an emergent use case in 2023, we're still early in the year, but hopefully there's some progress on it would be gaming, where NFTs are incorporated in gaming. It's a game that's actually fun to play, um, that is broader than, in the, in, than very specific in scope. And then once that game could expand to a larger universe, call it a metaverse, whatever you want to call it, um, that I think could be an interactive use case. It, it certainly makes sense for blockchain to be involved in e-gaming metaverse applications. And I think that's the next frontier. There always could be one that, that we're just simply missing and completely unaware of. But from the trends I'm seeing, that seems to be the next one. And to your point, Darren, I don't know if we're going to get that in 23, which makes me uh, still overall cautious for the remainder of the year, because I would like to see another emergent use case come about for crypto to bring adoption. And so maybe gaming is more like a 2024 story.
0: All right. Well, we we can talk about gaming and and NFTs a little bit uh, later on uh, if you have time. It is a very interesting space. Um, I do want to talk about um, uh, one of the big stocks uh, that you cover, which is Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase is the largest, um, well, the only publicly traded um, uh, crypto brokerage and exchange on the market in the US. Um, The stock has been, um, it was a disaster um, throughout 2022. Uh, But it's rallied quite a bit Uh, uh, this year. It's up around 60% last I checked. Um, It seems to be rallying partly on the heels of uh, uh, gains in Bitcoin and other cryptos. And I would imagine um, increases in trading volume. Um, And I just wanted to get your thoughts on what's fueling this rally in Coinbase. And um, I know you have a higher price target on the stock than where it's at now. Um, and why you think that this stock um, will actually move higher from here.
1: Yeah, sure. So we are a little bit uh, north of where it's at. So we're around $79 uh, per share. Uh, So so Coinbase really makes money in three businesses. There's the trading business, which derives most of their revenue. There's staking business, which is still a relatively small part, but could be growing fast. And then there's the interest income they get from the stablecoin USDC. So that's become a little bit bigger part of the business as interest rates go up. So if interest rates are up, call it four four to 5%. That's a a yield they can clip on the assets backing at USDC Stablecoin. They, They work in conjunction with Circle on that one. So those are the three main areas Coinbase derives most of its revenue from. And even from that, the lion's share of it is trading revenue. So to your point, Coinbase is very sensitive to crypto prices because crypto prices drive volumes and volume drives call it 80 to 90% of the revenue. Um, It's becoming to diversify a little bit more. So we're excited that the trading volume is always a little bit tough to predict that more or less you have to call crypto price cycles very well. Uh, We do think as we talked a little bit about to start the podcast, um, that the next few months seem seem to be an attractive setup here for, for crypto prices. So you could see volumes kind of continue to go up on the back of that, and that'll do well for Coinbase. So we're excited about the volume backdrop, especially uh, volumes had gotten very low, uh, especially after FTX. There's also a market share setup. So um, speaking of FTX, with FTX gone, users concerned about finance and some of these other offshore entities, Coinbase becomes one of the few regulated crypto exchanges that users can trust and have some confidence in. So they have taken market share gains. If you look at the volume data, you'll see that they've taken market share gains. Uh, a lot of that came just because FTX went under. So all those users who are on FTX, they still wanted to trade in crypto, they went over to Coinbase. So we're excited about them being able to take market share here. We're excited about the opportunity for staking. So Coinbase actually custody, I believe more ETH than Ethereum, than any other exchange. And Coinbase offers staking on that Ethereum. So there's a real revenue opportunity. There John, sorry, sorry,
0: John, sorry to interrupt you. Can you just yeah. explain what staking is for people um, who aren't familiar with it?
1: Sure, of course. So um, there are two sets of blockchains out there you can think about. You can think of proof of work and proof of stake. And simply Bitcoin is on proof of work. That network is secured by mining machines. And proof-of-stake networks are secured by capital that is staked on the network. Uh, the reason it's staked is if you're a validator in this network and you intentionally or accidentally uh, submit something that's wrong or even nefarious to the blockchain, some, the, the whole network can slash what you stake. So if you did something wrong, you confirmed a transaction that wasn't meant to be confirmed. You would be slashed, and your capital that you put up there would be lost. So that keeps the network honest, right? So that makes sure is that there's only honest transactions that are submitted on this blockchain. Um, and so Ethereum moved to proof of stake. So Ethereum, a lot of other networks out there are now proof of stake. And what you can do is, if you stake your capital and you act honestly in the system, instead of having your position slashed, you actually receive a small reward. You res- you receive the transaction fees that users pay. So if I uh, use the Ethereum network for anything, it could be as simple as, say, you take Ethereum and withdraw it from your Coinbase wallet to a private wallet. Uh, if any users out there have done that, you've likely noticed there's a small fee you pay. That fee goes to these validators. So that transaction fee goes to um, a validating network, and that's what we call a staking return or a staking yield. So with e- Ethereum, you can stake ETH and earn some of those transaction fees, that yield. Right, Right now, it's about five uh, percent. So it's not it's not crazy. It's not massive. It's it's basically at the same rate that you can get on treasuries, um, but there is a yield there. And so if you're just sitting on coin, uh, if you're on Coinbase and you have you know five ETH on there, what kind of why wouldn't you stake it? Not not. Um, there's two parts of it too, though. So right now, if you stake your ETH, uh, it doesn't unlock until a certain period of time. So you have to be cautious of that. But what everyone's excited about is at the middle of 2023, there'll be no longer an unlocked period. So if you stake your ETH, you can withdraw it immediately. So there's no risk of going, hey, I locked up my ETH and I can't get it for two years. What's going on? Uh, you will be able to get it immediately after that. So unlock if period.
0: So if, if, there, if there's no lockup period how is you, and you withdraw your ETH, how is it then still staked to the network?
1: It's not. So as you withdraw it, it becomes unstaked from the network.
0: I see. So basically it's liquidity um, for uh, a user. So, okay. So Coinbase, um, essentially they, they, they operate a staking pool um, where if you're a retail investor, you have no idea how to run a validator uh, client or software on your computer, but you want to participate in this and you own some, some Ethereum, you can basically pledge it or stake it to Coinbase. They will in turn put it in a pool um, they'll earn some fees from transactions, uh, transaction revenue, and you'll get a cut of those fees, which will turn up as a yield um, on your staked Ethereum. Is that kind of how it works? Yep, it's exactly how it works. Okay, so that's a, that's a good revenue model for them. I think they're, they're pretty excited about that. Um, and as you pointed out, they also, um, they're doing, uh, they have some other um, revenue generating ideas. Um, they're trying to uh, get more institutional trading, I know they're trying to do NFTs um, and, of course, they have their retail trading volume. But I guess there are two um, sort of overhangs or uh, looming questions over um, the stock and over the company. You know, one is the regulatory outlook, um, which is uh, probably not very favorable for crypto right now. You know, uh, there's since FTX collapsed, um, there has been a lot of activity in Washington to try to um, impose Uh, if not impose more regulations on the space, then at least to bring more enforcement actions. Um, And regulators like Gary Gensler, chair of the SEC, um, have been pretty clear in saying that many tokens, if not most, um, are likely securities um, and that they should be registered with the SEC as such, and that exchanges that offer trading and market-making activity in them um, also need to register Now, it's obviously an unsettled question, um, but I I think this is a a pretty big overhang on the stock. Do you you think that um, is there any chance or likelihood that the SEC will come out and say to Coinbase, you need to register this year or we're going to just shut you down because you are offering trading in unregistered securities?
1: Uh, So it, it likely wouldn't come out. Uh, that, that you need to register or, so what Coinbase could also do, if they, if you do see a very strict regulatory approach, and that happens this year, which, which I think most of the regulatory experts we've talked to, I don't think you're going to get something final this year. Um, I actually think a lot of exchanges would would like to see that because institutions just are not coming in until they get regulatory clarity. So if the SEC does come out and say, look, these certain crypto assets are not securities, these are That would give uh, institutions some clarity and maybe they could do more business with a company like coinbase Um, but if say they do come out and say hey look a a lot of these assets are coinbase or or securities you have to keep in mind coinbase most of the trading volume they do is in bitcoin ethereum maybe one or two other large cap assets Um, so from that standpoint we already know unless things change that bitcoin is being viewed as a commodity ETH might even fall under that cat. Ethereum might fall under that category as well. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe you could start to make the conclusion a few other um, assets that are and networks that function just like Ethereum, uh, Ethereum competitors like Solana, Avalanche, maybe those um, should be viewed as commodities as well. And when you take those large cap assets that either look like Bitcoin or look like uh, Ethereum, that is most of the revenue to Coinbase. So, if you do see a really strict regulatory approach that could impact some revenue um, from Coinbase, but it's not going to be the lion's share by any means. Um, Now, would that dampen the stock? And and would the outlook be, be worse considering that, okay, now you're just a platform that maybe offers Bitcoin trading and a few other assets uh, that, that would be the, the longer term growth outlook would, would be concerning. Um, But I I think it's still too early for that In, in terms of, Something this year, um, especially after the FTX collapse, I think regulators are going to be focused on just getting the basics right, right? Coin, or FTX was was effectively a, a, an obvious fraud. There wasn't anything crypto related, anything too complicated going on. They were just using customer funds uh, for wrong reasons for fraud. Um, and so I think regulators are first going to just make sure exchanges are following these basic presets that are out there enforcing that. I mean, some of the more complicated issues, whether a stable coin is a security or how stable coin regulation should look. Um, that's on the docket for 23, but it, it's now become such a politicized issue as well. I, I could see it taken into 24 before we really get any real clarity.
0: Yeah. Um, OK, well, uh, there's one other um, question I wanted to ask you about Coinbase, and uh, which is on there. Uh, profitability or lack thereof. They're estimated to lose, I think, $1.4 billion in operating income uh, this year, according to consensus estimates. Um, they have not been profitable for some time. Their bonds trade at distressed debt levels, um, 65 cents on the dollar, um, or a, a bit lower for some of the uh, bonds maturing uh, farther out. Um, I, I guess the key question is, do they have enough cash to soldier on um, and continue to burn through um, whatever cash flows they're generating
1: so they still have a decent amount of cash um, the, 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 we, we've starting to get concerned and, and we were uh, you know a lot of analysts were this was kind of a more common question on these analyst calls every earnings quarter uh, was you need to cut headcount you need to reduce expenses or, or what was your strategy what is your strategy to do that? Uh, and Coinbase finally did some of that. So they cut, I believe it was 20% of the workforce after an earlier 18% cut. So um, they are gonna reduce some of those expenses. So the outlook uh, gets a little bit better for 2023. twenty are also able to generate that interest income on the USDC they're holding. So um, they're in a decent spot there. Um, are they gonna need to cut headcount a bit more? likely you know what management's trying to do is they want to manage uh kind of regardless of cycle they want to go through a full cycle so what that means is look at the profitability they had when crypto was in a bull market and kind of extrapolate that through the next couple of years so what they're they're saying is hey we're going to have two years where we lose a lot of money and two years where we make a lot of money and hopefully if you look at over that four-year period what we make still is above what we lost um now, that's a little bit of kind of betting that the market starts to rally here um, and come back. If it doesn't, if, it, if this rally that we're seeing is kind of a fake out uh, and Coinbase revenue gets back to levels uh, from last quarter, or the quarter before that, I think management's going to need to reduce expenses again to make sure that balance sheet is as clean as possible.
0: I mean, the other, I mean, you, you pointed, those are great points, um, John. And I, I wanted to just point out one other um, uh, thing which you had talked about, which is uh, Coinbase benefiting essentially from the collapse of FTX and concerns about unregulated um, exchanges or offshore exchanges, uh, you know, not safeguarding customer assets. And obviously, um, you know, Coinbase is, um, they're not regulated as, uh, by the SEC, um, or by FINRA as, as, a, as a securities exchange, but they do have to follow uh, you know, money transmitter rules um, and they do have audited financial statements as a publicly listed company. Um, so there are more safeguards, I would imagine, for um, consumers' assets. But at the same time, Coinbase is facing more competition. Um, you, know, you have Robinhood um, that offers uh, uh, essentially commission-free trading, although um, traders do pay Um, in some ways, uh, some fees that are embedded in the prices that they're buying at. Uh, And then you have Fidelity, um, which is um, steadily moving into the crypto space. Um, They have said that they're going to offer retail um, trading in Bitcoin. Um, They are likely to do so in other assets. They're trying to get uh, Bitcoin into 401k plans that they administer. Um, Do you see this as actually a, a positive for Coinbase in the sense that the ecosystem is expanding or is this um increasing competition going to just put more pressure on coinbase's um fee-based revenues and and ultimately hurt them as the market um, uh, fragments
1: yeah so i think right now it's still very different users so if if fidelity can bring in financial advisors Uh, Call it the 60 plus in age generation too, who are a little bit more familiar with Fidelity, and now they see Bitcoin and other crypto assets on there. Maybe they'll get involved. That's not really the demographic that Coinbase is targeted, or or is most of their user base. So at this point, I think the entrance like a Fidelity, BlackRock gets more involved in the space. That's just going to do better for Coinbase as it expands the ecosystem. Um, Robinhood is a little bit more of a direct competitor. They primarily target uh, retail, uh, younger generations of so millennial and Gen Z. And that's kind of the same demographic Coinbase is going after as well. I would say they're, they're still quite a bit different where Robinhood, their crypto platform as of today is Really, just for investment purposes, trading purposes. Coinbase, um, we do view it as having the potential to become more the one-stop shop for crypto. So, not just getting price exposure to crypto assets, but staking them. So, you're participating as a validator in the network, transacting in NFTs, using NFTs. Um, maybe coin, Coinbase. I know they've done some stuff metaverse. It's so far hasn't really worked out. Uh, but if they could put together a metaverse application that's actually used on the Coinbase platform, so you can sort of see they have a Coinbase wallet, right, where you can um, you can move assets in and out of that. You can go interact with DeFi. You can interact with games that exist out there. So they're trying to be a little bit more immersive into the blockchain than simply, hey, here's a platform that you can come buy crypto assets on. Which it sounds like you know at this point, Robinhood is 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 that, and then if Fidelity comes out, they're going to still mostly be that. So I do take the view. Most crypto assets should have a utility behind them. They should be used for something. Um, And so Coinbase takes that view as well um, and is trying to roll out products that give users the actually utilizing the tokens and the underlying blockchain versus simply, hey, I bought some and I just kept it uh, in my, uh, my brokerage account.
0: Uh, right. Well, we don't have um, a lot of time left, but I would like to um, remind the audience uh, to please submit a question, or uh, if you if you have one, and we'll try to get to it. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, something that Elon Musk recently opined upon. Uh, he's always um, colorful and has interesting thoughts about crypto. And one thing he said is that a kind of a best case scenario for crypto is an erosion of the traditional or fiat money system, which would give crypto more of a, a life and a use case if people actually lose confidence in traditional currencies. But one can only imagine the turmoil and chaos that would ensue and the uh, declines in all kinds of fan- financial assets if the dollar collapsed, and if people really did lose confidence in traditional currencies, I would have to think that crypto would be one of the last things um, that we would need to actually worry about in that scenario. Do you have some thoughts on that?
1: I would take the, the similar view uh, to you, right? It, it, and it, I mean, if this is a slow decline and it gives people time to off ramp, from a fiat traditional payment system, then that's great, right? So if if it's, you know, we all saw the issues, the 2008 financial crisis, if everyone had a 10 years planning that and say it was, uh, you know, 1998, and they said, okay, in 10 years, there's going to be a financial crisis because there's issues with banks. We have 10 years to kind of off ramp from that. But to your point, it's not, it's likely not going to happen that way. It's going to be a sudden collapse. And if there's a sudden collapse, uh, even if you are holding a lot of crypto assets and you live in one of these countries that had a currency collapse, say the U.S. dollar collapses, and you're in the U.S. and all these different assets, there's issues, there's credit rating issues. I, I would still think at the end of the day, you're you're going to have bigger issues than, oh, wow, my Bitcoin, which is denominated dollars, is now up a lot. Um, you're you're going to have bigger issues living in that country. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with you on that. But if it's a slow decline and everyone starts to, to slowly get prepared for this, then then it starts to be be able to, to be a little bit easier to digest.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we don't have a lot of time left. Um, I'll get to one question here from Ailey. Um, how do you see the emerging world of AI and bots like chat GBT, impacting the crypto space?
1: Yeah, so um, that's obviously uh, AI is a, a big component right now. I think there's a lot of ways AI could interact with with blockchain technology. One of the most obvious ones is for uh, trading capabilities, right? And, and that extends beyond crypto too. These AI bots can start to you know make markets and equities, bonds, um, or even from a hedge fund standpoint, make investments, um, based off decisions if they're able to digest more information than humans. Um, so there, there's always been kind of bots and AI interacting and trading software. So to that extent, uh, I would expect them to, to be utilized in crypto. Um, you could also see it in coding. So some of the actual generating applications, creating NFTs even, right? So you're starting to see that AI might be able to do some of the more creative aspects that Typically, we're reserved for humans, right? Maybe it's artwork, maybe it's an NFT, maybe it's a song. Um, so there's aspects of that that all kind of roll up into blockchain and crypto. Um, so I, I do think AI is going to have an impact in that space. It's still very early days for that. It's, it's almost early days for both, right? It's still pretty early days for crypto blockchain. And it certainly seems like early days for AI. So um, yeah. I think that still might be a few years
0: off. I think one of the concerns that people um, have with crypto is that kind of getting back to the regulatory question is that, uh, you know, there we don't really know what goes on behind the scenes of uh, trading. Uh, so much of it happens offshore. Um, To the point about AI, um, so much of it is computer driven. Uh, There is very little um, actual liquidity or float in crypto markets, even in Bitcoin, um, which is one of the reasons uh, that the SEC has um, cited for not approving uh, a spot based Bitcoin ETF, which is market manipulation and the lack of surveillance of spot markets. Um, Whereas in the futures market, uh, which is regulated, um, there is more ability to track what's going on. Um, but, but I think that remains a, maybe a structural impediment to getting more people into crypto, which is simply confidence, um, confidence um, that you can somewhat trust the markets to be an honest reflection or an accurate reflection of actual prices out there, and then trust and confidence in the exchanges and the wallets to keep your digital assets safe. And um, just in a minute or so, John, do you see any of that um, improving over the next year?
1: Um, so a lot of that is going to require regulation, right? And, and I do, do agree that you know one of the benefits of Coinbase is that there's more transparency, and a lot of that transparency is required under U.S. laws. Public company, um, so regulation around that has created a more Uh, safeguarded if you will exchange um so yeah to that extent i I think you are going to need more safeguarded platforms where retail folks institutional folks even can fully trust the platform they know their funds on that platform are being used for their intended purposes
0: all right well um that is all the time that we have for today thank you so much for being here john and thanks to our listeners for tuning in Uh, We hope you'll join us again tomorrow. MarketWatch housing reporter Arthi Swaminathan speaks with Rocket Company's CEO, Jay Farner on real estate markets. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and have a nice day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.